consolidating what I actually know. I speak from experience, but then it's like, oh gosh, actually that did sound cool. I said, actually, I'm going to go follow it up now and further that conversation. And digital platforms where we can come together and have these conversations that culturally safe are culturally appropriate, but also very respectful. And also got some pointy ends to it as well in terms of, yeah, actually, and expose what I actually think. So I think it's fantastic. Try this bad boy out for science. You are welcome to take a seat at the table where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders. Different distinctions encouraged, intention starts from a no-judgment zone, a certain age is not criteria, and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate a new conversation. We've started well. (laughs) <laughs> I know, dude. This is how we roll on the decision table. So welcome to it. Island and, time, uh, huh? Yeah, it's a bit like that, right? Because mm-hmm. we we're about to start, you know, only just a minute ago. So we're right on time. Yeah, no, all good. <laughs> I love it. Where are you at the moment? I'm currently in Cairns. Oh, I have never been. Oh, yes. I've once been there. It made that much impression. Okay, no worries. No, it's that's your fault, not mine. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, are you doing something amazing there or what's happening there? No, this is HQ for me. This is, yeah, basically. Mm, This is the hub. This is the creative hub. And, you know, I've got access, you know, further back home, back to the Torres Strait. So Cairns actually gives infrastructure, whereas, you know, further north, it really gives me my cultural, spiritual place. So, yeah. It's Tell to- me more about that. Tell me more about that. What does that mean? Well, yeah, I guess it just gives me access straight back to, you know, my community of, you know, Birmingham, Sasia, the Torres Strait region. And just, you know, I guess it's really my my identity, my makeup, my DNA. So mm. it's important for me to, to have that at arm's length, so to speak. Yeah. And, you know, we get to travel the world and, and do all the wonderful things that, that we do in the film and television industry. But it's important for me to um, stay connected and reconnect because, you know, it's a funny world. And then because of, you know, we're in the game of, I mean, I think storytelling in the creative industries, you're, you're so open and you're susceptible to so many different energies. So mm. it's important for me to, uh, when I've expended my energies and I've been pulled uh, left, right yeah. and centre uh, for various reasons, for career aspects, it's important for me to, you know, re-energize and, you know, and go back to to refilling myself and replenishing myself and, yeah, but also, you know, touching home base and HQ, so to speak, so yeah. so I can replenish and, yep. you know, get, get rid of any uh, hitchhikers or other entities that have kind of I've, I've picked up along the way. <laughs> Is it easy to do that along the way? I think you've just got to be... I mean, you've got to have a certain self, self sense of self-awareness and consciousness. And I think you've got to be very, very much in your skin and comfortable yeah. in your skin to have a certain amount of self-awareness to, to know what is happening within you. And, you know, if something's, you know, you've, or you've gone through something and, and it's triggered something, if it's triggered trauma, that, you know, that you're aware of it and that you know how to go about, you know, what that work, whatever that process is for you to to actually, you know, to uh, nullify 
you know, whether the trauma or just sit with it or whatever that is that you need to kind of cleanse yourself of it. So interesting. Do you feel that we're getting better at doing this or is it becoming harder? Oh, look, I think COVID has definitely sorted that out in terms of I think uh, it certainly raised globally a certain level, a heightened level of, you know, global consciousness in general. I think certainly, you know, definitely, certainly, you know, globally from a global aspect, it's forced people to actually, it's forced us all to actually develop a heightened level or a certain level of consciousness like never before. And I think globally as well, it you know, issues were raised in a way that, that has never been dealt with or done in a way before. Like if you look at, you know, the, the, the Black Lives Matter movement, I mean, that just went off. That was right during the height of COVID, you know, how the world, the global community responded to that was incredible. So I think certainly, and there's a massive need. I mean, I think there's, for those who haven't developed a sense of consciousness or, you know, we've they've certainly moved into that way. I mean, with, you know, hotel quarantine for everyone that, anyone that's been in that, I think about day 10, day 11, I think, you know, people have stated that, you know, they start going a bit cuckoo, so to speak. Where, you know, <laughs> their mind starts, yeah. you know starts playing with them, so to speak. But for those who have already, you know, done the work, who are quite yeah. quite well within themselves and can sit with themselves, had a different different experience. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think in some ways it almost widens the gap because there is this sense of awareness that is happening across the globe, as you've said. And I think in some ways, yes, there's been those that have embraced it. But I actually think in some ways... Even using the example that you did about the Black Lives Matter, has it actually narrowed that gap? Are we getting further ahead or is it it almost, it opened up and there was this awareness but nothing changed from it? Oh, look, it, it certainly, just, you know, if anything, ignited or initiated the conversation but, you know, by no means at all that gap is, has kind of inched further in the positive way but i think certainly the positive is it initiated discussion the world has said okay this is this is actually this is we're not going to tolerate this anymore but i think we've got to go further now in terms of okay what are the strategies what actually is is being put in place and that's when you know the real work uh, the real work Mm -hmm. is yet to begin the real work is yet to yet to really kick in and even in this in our own country you know, we're still, you know, seeing a lot of, you know, when we talk about, you know, deaths incarceration, you know, since the, the rollout of, you know, the Black Deaths in Custody uh, Royal Commission, there's still been 400 and I think 37, 38, perhaps. I, I could be wrong, mm-hmm. don't quite be on that. But it's still, the matter, the, the fact of the matter is it's still occurring. And there's a, still a massive disparity in terms of when we talk about closing the gap, that's still yeah. uh, you know, that's still something that's yet to be rectified or even, you know, looked at even being closed. I mean, that gap continues to widen. So there is a lot of, lot of work yet to be done. I so agree on that. And I go, so how do we start shifting it to start narrowing that gap? What are you seeing as some strategies that help in that way? Well, I think it's got to start with, you know, it's got to start with the people. I think it's got to start with uh, the communities. I think we've, it's about, you know, whether it starts at a, well, it certainly starts at the community level. You know, there's, there's community assemblies 
district assemblies, regional assemblies that should feed up to the higher powers in terms of, you know, the the decision makers in terms of that, yeah. I mean, that's the government. But I think it's, you know, from, from a First Nations perspective, I think we've got the answers for ourselves. And I think there's a lot of, you know, really bright and intelligent people now that we've gone off to uni and, you know, we've, we've done our time and, you know, those who are, you know, earn doctorates now, mm-hmm. those who are masters in their certain fields of expertise. So I think there's, there's a good collective of people measured then with, you know, the elders, then those who mm-hmm. are, you know, with, with the communities who have been on the forefront for many, many, you know, decades trying to bridge this gap. I think there's with that collective in itself within our own communities, I think we've got answers. We just need the dollars. And, you know, I think if we were, were afforded, I mean, we've even got accountants now that can really kind of look at, you know, really kind of crossing the T's and dotting the I's in, on a financial landscape to make sure that the dollars uh, are acquitted appropriately. But this is something that, you know, we need to do in partnership as a country. And this mm-hmm. is something that this... What has happened to First Nations people in terms of the, the plight of First Nations people, this is something that's been a combination of the impact of uh, colonisation. So I think it's it's about, you know, forming that partnership and having a real partnership in terms of moving together. But, but however, perhaps we should be leading the conversation and we should be leading the narrative in terms of getting ourselves out of this plight. Yeah, so how does that happen? How do we take ownership for that sort of place that getting at the tables being the ones making the decisions as well as those that are you know maybe have made the decisions all in the past yeah well that's where it kind of lies isn't it that's the the million dollar question i mean i think that's where you know the government i mean certainly you know when we look at if we look at government in general if we look at that particular landscape certainly you know there's been a slow move in relation to but there has been a move. There's been a positive move, but it's been a slow move in terms of both sides. Let's talk about the Liberals and, and Labor, for, for instance. I mean, there's there's a First Nations caucus committee within within the Labor ranks, which is led by Pat Dodson and Linda Burney and Mullandiri McCarthy. So I think, you know, there's, there is a genuine pledge, I guess, from the Labor Party to actually look at, you know, really kind of going through every policy for every, every policy in particular, for everything that Labor stands for and run it through with a fine tooth comb with the First Nations lens. Mm. Now that, I guess, you know, and that's kind of, that it's been also occurring in, and that's not to say that it hasn't been occurring in the, in the current government's house, so to speak, but I think it's, you know, again, it's been led from a, from a, from a white perspective. So until we are actually these and things when, 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 when dealing with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, I guess, policies or legislations or anything for our, our affairs that directly affect us, I think we should be leading the way. And I think that, that also, so that's until that happens, yeah, the, the status quo is still going to remain. And that's got to happen in, that's got to change in all the boardrooms. I mean, there's mm-hmm. got to be, when we talk about gender matters and with, in terms of splicing the, the whole gender boardroom up, you know, and, and having more women in place, which is, I, I am all for, but yeah. that also needs to occur that there needs to be a certain amount of representation on the representation around the table, and that can be divvied up, you know, with gender as well. So that's got to occur. If you look, you think about all those 
departments that that directly affect the grassroots, the people in communities that or, or not receiving or in a state of d- disparity, those particular d- departments need to be, and decision makers need to be filled with also Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander executives or d- and decision makers. And until that, that happens, we are still going to let the status quo, well, the status quo will, will remain. Hmm. So interesting, those insights. Where do you think it's breaking down, though? I think it's... By the um, way, there's no judgment on this table. We just say whatever comes out of our mouths. Yeah, look, <laughs> so don't overthink. It, where is it breaking it. down? Where is it breaking down? I mean, look, I yeah. think it's, it's been breaking. I mean, it's been quite fractured for, for you know, like I, I've seen the fractures since, you know, since the dismantling of ATSIC was the start. And, you know, was the ATSIC model perfect? No, but what the ATSIC model did provide was it pro- provided a framework for, for our people to have, you know, a council, so to speak, or, you know, some sort of organised. It was organised It was and it was a quasi-government organisation or was it where that we knew that, you know, the issues that were affecting us in the grassroots level were actually being kicked up and being heard on a federal level as well as, you know, uh, state level, but ATSIC was, you know, fundamentally a, f- a federal organisation. But you knew that these decisions or these, you know, these issues were actually were going to be tabled, and you know they were they were being fought over amongst our leaders on a national level. And because there were there were regional assemblies, there were district assemblies, there were state assemblies. There's also a national assemblies. So it was all broken down. The framework, the, actually, if anything, that was perfect about the ATSIC model was the actual framework. How that how, then the then I think uh, well that's and I can speak for myself. That's my own opinion. That's Aaron Farsa's opinion, and I, and I think that was I mean, and let's not reinvent the wheel. There's a framework there that yeah. actually still there's you know because sometimes we can get caught up into you know re, reinventing the wheel, but I think. That there's a framework there that actually can now, because now 10 years on, there are far more uh, many educated black fellas now than ever before, than before the time of, mm. um, than before the time of this, this mantle, dismantling of, of ATSI. So there, you've got a framework now that, that actually can be perfected from there. We've still got our elders that are still with us. So then it's about, okay, how do we perfect that was once there? Because we already know what existed previously, but how do we perfect mm. this framework now and, you know, whereby that it actually does what it's supposed to do efficiently and effectively effectively for our people, by our people. Mm. So interesting. So here's the thing I love, and one of the things that we're doing on this this month on the decision table is looking through the lens of ownership. One of the things you're doing really well, like I love the fact that you go, hey, this is what I'm thinking, this is what Aaron is saying, but here's the thing, you've really identified who you are, what that looks like, and how you are a part of this. Where's that come from? Oh, that comes from, that was something that was kind of like branded into me, like those steel Mm. I just just from the women just that raised me, my grandmother and my mother, but also it was also losing, you know, two significant, my patriarchs, you know, two significant men, my father and my grand grandfather at, you know, at the age of six and, but, you know, losing them two weeks apart from each other as well. So it was a double whammy oh. and just watching how the women in my life handle that situation and continue to. 
And then, you know, what my mum was doing so subtly, because my grandmother is on one hand is she's a force of nature, right? She's she's old school and, you know, she comes from that kind of, you know, your words, that old school values, your words, your word, you say, you're going to do, you're going to finish. And it's about continually being accountable. And I'm not not saying either that that I'm always accountable either. I I, I continue to. What, you're saying you're not like that 100% of the time? Well, I, I just don't want to give the the perception that oh, this dude's perfect. I'm I'm far from. Well, you perfect, know, I'm man. I'm just seeing you there like this, and you've got like this halo above your head. That's what it looks like from here. Oh, okay, then that's you know? my uh, that's my portal window. Yeah, that's where all the spirits. I love that. Wow. That's where all the spirits come in, and I and I zoom out every every night when the sun goes down too. <laughs> there you go. Right there. That's amazing. So, so, you know, you have my mother on one hand, you know, mm. my grandmother on one hand, you know, extremely, you know, fierce. And then you've got my, my mother on the other hand is, you know, is quite reserved. But, yeah, yeah, she's another kind of, you know, real that strong, silent type. So, but we're so, but we're both really kind of, you know, entrenched and embedded and immersed in, in, in Torres Strait culture. So that was, you know, I think for them, it was really important to raise myself and my two younger siblings real strong sense of identity and, you know, a sense of self. I mean, because they knew that we were already kind of behind the eight ball without the father and we were obviously going to, I think, you know, looking ahead, I think they were they were quite re- realistic and pragmatic about, you know, how they were going to, how they raised us. And sometimes, you know, they just didn't know at times too. That was just life. But I think in, in the, the, they were purposely kind of cultivating us into, you know, wanting us to become, Men, but strong men, but men with you know with a sense of self and a sense of identity. Then you take you take what you've been raised with, and then I went on and you know went in search of men that that I was kind of like looking to you know become more or less you know surrogate fathers or uh, mentors for my own journey and my own to, for my own path in life. And you know I, I was fortunate that I was uh, afforded that. But yeah, look, I've met a lot of very, you know, feel quite blessed in terms of the people that I've met along the way, whether that be on a personal level, but also on a, on, on my uh, career trajectory of the career mentors that uh, also become in some way uh, life mentors as well. I've been extremely fortunate enough, and I'm sure that, you know, both my younger siblings can, can say the same because they're also quite successful in, in, in their own right as well. Hmm, love that. But I think what you've done is not just you're putting it into who you are and and it's part of your identity. It's also like if I think about it with the film industry, I mean, that's you getting messages out, right? Yeah. So how have you taken that into that? And I'm, but while you're doing that, I'm just going to disappear for a second because I just realized my phone is uh, running out of battery right now. So give me two tips. All good. All good. Well, I guess for me, like, when you miss out on something, right, or I think for me entering into this industry, I think what stimulated, what I realised in, you know, 2004, 2005, when I was catapulted in the, into the industry through the television series ran, that in 2005 was our first, you know, our first kind of experience, not only for myself, but a whole lot of us for our region to access the industry. And it stimulated so many discussions. I'll never forget the discussions that 
is stimulated just amongst our, us, our acting cohort, you know, because cohort, sorry, our acting uh, cohort. We never, this is something that we could see that, well, we could tell this story and that story and then with this actually progresses. But also not, I mean, it just inspired so many dreams, just aspirations. So mm. for me, I just know I'm actually going to do this. It kind of, mm. it did more than just inspire. It actually now kind of, it burnt this burning desire just started to, just start to be cultivated within me. So once I got into the, the, in the industry, it was, it was kind of like, well, for me, the, the, the rest of the world, and this, this came from just growing up in general and, you know, just whenever I, you know, dated wherever I came from or whether I was, whatever I was doing in, in my life in terms of you're trying to tell people whereabouts you come from. And, and these are sometimes more or less, more times than mostly, these were Australians from down south, whether it was Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide, you know, Western Australia. People would say, where the hell is the Torres Straits? So you're carrying all this stuff with you and then all of a sudden you get this opportunity and you break through into the industry and then, you know, you have this opportunity to actually potentially become a content creator as well. Yeah. So for me, and for me, I always, when we were sitting on Musig Island doing Ren, I always, I, I knew back then that was producing was what I wanted to get into. It was either writing, producing. I mean, it was it was beyond the camera that I wanted to. But my but the access was in front of the camera. So once I got in got in behind the camera, and for me it was about okay, exposing or letting the world into this beautiful culture that I've grown up with, and that you know we have got so much to offer. Amazing. So I think, and there for me is to also inspire a whole lot more of uh, Torres Strait Islanders to come through and tell their stories and about themselves, about their family, about their lineage. Because I think there's there's 15 islands, there's five regions, and wow. you know, there's so much there's so much more to tell. And you know, rightly so, Aaron Faso shouldn't be the only representation of the Torres Strait. We, it's so diverse and it would be so wrong for me to be the only Torres Strait Islander to be telling all the Torres Strait Island stories. That just wouldn't be right. You know, one, it's about, you know, letting the world know about this. Yeah. And how beautiful this culture is and where I come from and what makes me me. But also it's about on the other side of the flip side of that is also inspiring more Torres Strait Islanders to, to engage in the industry. There's also a third part of this as well, informing the industry on the lack of um, access that we have had to engage mm. in the industry for, for uh, many, many decades, in fact. So it's about... Yeah, one, it's lining up all the talent. Two, it's it's also making sure that uh, the industry allows access for people that who have not had access, so to speak. Mm, so I there's a lot that. going on there. <laughs> I love, I love, there is a lot, right? But I yeah. we don't often hear, and that's part of creating awareness is around, well, if we don't know what we don't know, but when we do, there's a responsibility. There's an ownership to take of that, right? And that's what I feel with just listening to you talk today is some things that, like, I haven't been to the Torres Straits. I'd love to go there. I'd love to be immersed in things like that. I don't know what I don't know, but I love hearing what you're saying today. Like, I go, yeah, where are are the Torres Straits at the tables that I've been at? Yeah. That's a great question to ask, right? You know, we're quite spread, you know, throughout the nation as well. 
And, you know, we've been quite uh, prominent with, you know, certainly when we talk about, you know, engaging in, in industries and establishing and, and, and assisting and establishing and building this country, we've been quite, we've been there. You know, we have yeah. been there along the way. And, and, and at times it's been great to expose those little points of history where we actually have been a part of, you know, whether it's, if, if it's not been fighting for this country where 870 men, you know, volunteered for World War II, and this is well before 1967 referendum, but that 870 men were the largest volunteers per capita in the Southern Hemisphere, and it's a record that still stands today. Then, you know, you've got the dropout of the pearling industry in the 1950s and our men go looking for work elsewhere, and we land in Western Australia and, uh, you know, we're quite uh, prominent in you know, the railway industry in Western Australia. In fact, we built mm-hmm. the fastest railway track over a 12-hour period, which obliterates the record, well, sets a world Guinness Book of World Record and obliterates that that was, you know, standing previously that was held by our counterparts, African-American counterparts. So mm-hmm. there's so many, you know, hallmarks and, and history points where we've been part of in you know, with this country that yeah. is yet to be, you know, kind of exposed, so to speak, or, you know, or, or on earth. But that's the joy that I have as well, you know, that mm. when even when I'm coming up with these concepts and these history, whether it's if I'm doing a history documentary or or even it's with straight to the plate and I'm just layering stuff in there, yeah. uh, people go, wow, we, we, we didn't even know that. And I said, yeah, I know you did, but it's great, <laughs> isn't it? So, Awesome. I love that. Here's the thing. Like you speak of two things that I think are really, really important, especially when I see leaders across the globe, and that is collaboration and and being inclusive. And I think of what you've talked about here and I go, how do we become more inclusive and then collaborate in ways? Because you see, there's so many people that want to be at the table. And if we have 50 million, like we just can't have 50 million at the table, right? Like there's so many tribes, there's so many differences. Like I always say, I want to get us back to having humanity at the table first and then bring your distinctions. And I don't want everyone looking the same. I don't want everyone sounding the same. I don't want everyone because we can learn from so many different perspectives. How do we become more inclusive, get more people at the table, but make sure we don't leave people out. Because, you know, there's there's a conversation that I'm having a lot of right now, and that is, you know, people are going, yeah, but all the minorities are starting to have a voice and majorities, and maybe that's okay, maybe it's not, but it's an interesting <laughs> conversation, right? I'm just putting it out there. Just putting it out there. I'm full minority. Yes, go on. <laughs> I know. And here's the thing. I get it. I really do I because like what you're saying. Huh? <laughs> no, 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 you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah come on. Bring it on. Bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> I always talk about, by the way, one of the things is I think we have to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. These yeah. are the conversations we've got to have. And, you know, like. I've been one of these people that have been brought up in many different aspects, many different cultures, many different, you know, and one of my favorites is the fact that I have been nomadic before the world closed down and literally lived across the globe for four years and took my family on the road. And it was really important for me because I wanted to be immersed in different cultures. I wanted to learn. I wanted to see what was happening on the face of humanity, not just at the top decision tables. 
and then going, how can we actually narrow the gap from what the decisions being made at top decision tables and start thinking about what is actually needed on the front line of humanity? I can tell you, there's many different perspectives. There's many wanting a voice at the table. Mm. How do we start getting voices at the table without, by the way, ignoring other voices or even going, hey, I'm not even listening to you because this noise is just so big over here. Yeah. Look, I and I know there were so many layers I mean, in that question. So many layers. <laughs> and, 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 and I don't profess at all to, I mean, as soon as I start out my mouth, I'm, there's, there's red flags <laughs> going up my head going, do not answer this, do not answer this. I mean, oh, that's that, so funny. But, it's like, but I think, you know, I, I'm, I don't have the answer. I don't have all the answers to. Uh, no, but you have, and here's the thing: you have Aaron's answer. Yeah, I want no, to hear absolutely. what Aaron would say about and, this. What he's thinking, because maybe I, think, I haven't thought like that. And I think it just goes back to I think for me as the most important thing for me is to to be able to if you're going to do something really well at the big table, you've got to first do it really well at the small table. And I think for me, that's mm. you, you've got to you've got to be able to do that really well community level in your own community, in your own backyard. And I think, you know, bit by bit, I mean, you're taking, and that's why I'd say like you're taking all of those voices and you're including, and it's it's one of those teachings of, you know, from my own cultures, you know, being a, you know, from the islands and the Torres Strait Islands, you know, it's because you're on this island, so everyone needs to, to get on, right? So everyone needs to be heard, not everyone is going to get on, but I think for, for mm. if we've got a common goal and we're, we're going to come together and we're going to have reason and respect for one another, and it's okay not to agree because we can agree to disagree. That's healthy because we're, yeah. we're not all the same. But there's a way, there is a way of going about it. I mean, we don't always have to agree and, we, and we've got to be able to see from, I disagree, you know, Aaron. I disagree because the world is telling us we have to agree. Absolutely. Or otherwise, you're going to get yeah. you're going to get smashed. You're going to become, you know, yesterday's news, or at worst, they're going to make fun of you or put you down or whatever it is, dismantle you. Yeah. Look, I, I'm, I'm I'm always up for a fight, so you know that's all good. You know, I'm always. Is it the island side of us? <laughs> Yeah, I'm always up for a fight, so it's all good. And I've got thick skin, yeah. so yeah. And, and the thing is, I don't mind not being the flavor of the month as well, or or not. Yeah, it's I so don't good. mind being. It, my opinions may not kind of hit at the time. It, mm. It's it's okay because it's taken me so long to get here. It's, it's been a lot of hard work. It's been a you know a lot of everything yeah. to, to get where I am today. So I thought you. I, by the way, I just thought you woke up and and there you are, Aaron. Yeah. Some yep. would, yeah, some would think. <laughs> like, yeah. if, if only, <laughs> if only, I tell you, man. Yeah, and life, um, you've been just running through red roses, you know, like it's it's really easy. <laughs> oh, I wish, I wish. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you? Because there's a lot of lessons in what, what you've probably had to go through and where you've come from and the journey of some of the resilience that has been built because of who, you know, the fact that it hasn't always been easy this way. Yeah, no, it, it never is easy, and I, and I think I've always been, I've always gravitated to the the road less travelled. So yeah, and look, I I know as as a as a pioneer in this industry in this sector for my people, it's you know yes. it, you're always you're always hitting. I'm always whatever road that I do take anyway. I know that I'm the first one to be doing that anyway. Yeah, and that but all that that also comes with a lot of responsibility, but also you know that 
you know, you're breaking it down because the mm. next, the third one that comes, the, the second or third one that comes through after me are going to do it much, much better, much, much more, you know, smarter and clever. And, but that's just the way that it is and it's meant to be as well. That's part of evolution. That's part of, you yeah. know, you know, that's part of advancement and, and progress. But to answer your question about, you know, everyone being at the table, I think mm. it's, that's where it's going. I mean, I mean if it's got, it's got to start first start at the community level and then, you know, it's then then it's kicked up to the regional level, then kicked up into a, a state, then a federal or a, or a national level. But mm. as long as all those voices have been heard, have been heard, and everyone has yeah. had a and through that whole process, consultation has taken place, and everyone actually has been heard. So so by the time it hits the that level at at a na- national briefing or com- that that national conference, that all these kind of people have had the opportunity around the table to be heard. And that's it. it it's held. You've got to do it really well at the at the community level for it to, to happen to have have real resonance at a at a national level. And and everyone can be heard. And I think we've got to also allow that not everyone has to agree. No, because we're so different. Oh, I hear you. Beauty. I hear that's you. It. That's the beauty of you know the world. The beauty of you know this country. It's so diverse. Even when you know, pre-colonization, we still had, you know, a million First Nations people who were so mm. diverse, one from another, you know. So it happened pre-colonization, you know, in terms of the diversity. And that's what's so wonderful that I think we've we've got to accept it, everyone, you know, for their own voices and for their own for their own points of view and perspectives. Simple. As long as you ain't you ain't hurting anyone and insulting anyone, yeah. Um done respectfully. Hey, throw it down on the table. Yeah, bring it on. So on that note, if people want to learn more about what you do and who you are and your awesomeness, how do they do that? Go check out all my programs that I've done. <laughs> all right, we'll just put it out there. Somewhere out there he's done some coolness. Go check um, it out. <laughs> how they can, I mean, yeah, look, I'm happy to, I don't know, be contacted via email and on my website, uh, Lifestyle website. So we can, uh, that's the first point of contact. Actually, we can go from there. Yeah, awesome. And later when it gets put in a podcast, we will make sure we have all those as well. But I just want to always make sure that we do that because I think, you know, often when we're having conversations, people go, I want to know more about that. Like you've talked about some pretty interesting things here. This has come to this time and I'm really freaking out because my battery keeps running out and it's all pushed in here but for some reason today by the way I'm in a makeshift studio I normally have it and I go of all the days I have to be in a makeshift one is with you and so that's why my everything's falling off because literally I'm hot spotting off my phone that's about to die but I want to I want to get out this question at least and that is that I ask everyone on the decision table you know one of the things is awareness that we've talked about already ownership's the next piece and I go what is it that you're taking from our conversation today I think whenever I have these conversations it's about consolidating actually what I actually know so when you actually sometimes Mm. because you know I speak from experience but then it's like oh gosh actually that did sound that did sound cool Um, (laughs) I love that moment yeah, yeah that did sound cool I said Actually, I'm going to go follow it up now, you know what I yes. mean, and, and, and further that conversation. And, you know, I think that's what I take away from because sometimes, mm. it, you know, some of these thoughts and, you know, these theories that you have are only your theories, like, you know, in terms of self. But once you start bounce, sounding it off someone and you see 
Yeah. How it kind of resonates. You go, oh, okay, that landed pretty good. I said, yeah, maybe we should follow that up with something yeah. else. So I think that's what I take. It's about consolidating, you know, the conversation, but also consolidating, mm-hmm. you know, the theories that or, or my perspective, so to speak. Yeah. You know, but what I'm also taking away, because I think these platforms that you have, you've created here are, are absolutely fantastic. And I think these are, you know, and then this is something that's that's blown off, you know, during COVID as well. These digital platforms where we can come together and have these conversations and have these conversations that, you know, culturally safe, are culturally appropriate. Yeah. And but also very respectful, but also you know I've got some pointy ends to it as well in terms of yeah actually yeah. what a potentially ex- will expose okay well, this is what expose my politics expose actually what I actually think yeah so I think I think it's fantastic I think there should be more of it but what you're doing here keep going yeah. more power to you my sister. Thank you. And I want to further talk to you. So if my thing runs out, I want to make sure we connect again after this, because like, here's the funny thing. Often, you know, we start these conversations, but I think there's more to this conversation. And I think one of the things that I'm taking away from it is that uncomfortableness. I love the fact you challenged me on that and you go, so you're getting uncomfortable. Of course, I'm uncomfortable because I don't, there's so much about you and and your beautiful world that you've been a part of that I have no idea. But here's the thing. I'm so excited to get to know more of it. I'm so excited to see how we can collaborate, how we can give voice to what you're doing and and to move that across more of the global space as well. And for me, that's exciting, right? Because I always want to know that I'm learning that I'm growing. And by the way, that even when we disagree or we might get uncomfortable or whatever it is, I love that fact because then I, it's like, oh, actually I stand for what I'm saying even more now. Or I go, ah, maybe I need to shift a little on my thinking on that. And if I don't have those uncomfortable conversations, then I'm never going to grow and I'm never going to keep developing. And there's always going to be a limit to what I can do and who I am outside of, you know, in my world and giving voice to humanity. So, you know, for me, I appreciate conversations like we've had today. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think they're really important. And I think for those, and it's really important that that we actually do put ourselves in, in uncomfortable situations or uncomfortable or have, have those uncomfortable conversations because it's all about growth, you know. It's right. also, it is. It is. It, yeah. it really is. And just to have those conversations that, you know, that we know that, that it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be, it's going to be uncomfortable for, you know, for all parties. I think the fact that, you know, that we want to be there to engage on respectfully, I think it's, it's really important because, those conversations are the ones that, you know, we need to have those. They, they need to be had because it's so easy to have those great conversations that, you know, make us feel warm and fuzzy. And, you I know, know, they're good, right? They're great. They're great. They're great. Yeah. But it's the uncomfortable conversations that we have that actually, yeah. you know, permits us to grow. Yeah. yeah, and here's the thing that I love about it. So those actually, I feel more uncomfortable, by the way, when, when people are going, oh, you're amazing, you're amazing. I'm like, okay, but can we just change the world? Like for me, that's such a better conversation. And I actually like the, and I think what you just said is just so important, that growth 
is is the exciting piece. I think then, the, you know, when we talked about earlier on in the conversation about narrowing the gap from problem to solution, I think that's how we shift the dial is yeah, by no, having absolutely. these conversations and going, okay, what are we willing to do? How do we take ownership for the part of the conversation that we go really resonates and I can see how we can move this together? And I think this that when we're willing to have these uncomfortable conversations and more of them, then we're going to see more change and we're going to see more collaboration going forward. I think that part of the reason we've got such division is because we're not allowing to have these conversations. That's right, because they're too uncomfortable, right? Don't want to go there. It's like anything, like yeah. you know, when when it, if you're in a relationship and you, and you know you got to have that. Oh, don't you hate those moments? Oh, you know, and you got to have that. It's like oh, I just and I literally start sweating and it's like oh, oh damn, I was gonna dial a friend, Aaron. I've got that moment. <laughs> Oh look, I'm I'm cool doing the whole coaching stuff on the side. Oh, are you good? Perfect. When you when you're in the hot seat, I mean, it's it's uncomfortable, Ooh. right? It is yeah. it, it is so uncomfortable. But like, I think you know. But the, what's required there is just honesty and compassion, you know, through through those and being respectful. And the thing yeah. is, you don't you don't have to come to the answer in that session. Like everyone right. can go away, yeah. have a break, come back. Yeah. And, you know, have session two at some at a later time, but but sometimes those conversations are so uncomfortable, and it's and it's so uncomfortable that it's going to take it will take you know many many times to go around until you know we get to the core and the root to get to a to a level ground where you know we're all in the grants. But that's the thing that you know we really need to have you know for this country to move forward and to heal is we need to engage. You know, we need to be open and, and engage in these, having these uncomfortable conversations about, you know, First Nations and colonization and, yeah. you know, and that whole kind of, you know, shared history, you know, being forced together, you know, with, with the establishment of colonization. So we've got to have that. This country has to have that for us to, to actually move forward and to really, really, really heal. Yeah, because I tell you, the potential that we have a country moving forward you know, yeah. that we do, if, we, if that was to take place, would be, wow. Yeah. Wouldn't it be? Wouldn't that be exciting? Yeah. Wouldn't it absolutely. bring hope for the next generation wow. and the generations to yeah. come? Absolutely. Yeah. Man. Let's have it. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. Well, thank you. I really, no, really mean not, it. Amazing. No, thank you. I, and, um, I thank appreciate you. Extending, you. Thank you for extending the invitation. It's been such a pleasure to be here. Yeah, mm. thank you. Appreciate you. I'm going to end this now. All right. Cheers. <laughs> Bye. Cheers. Ciao. Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, ensure you leave an awesome rating and review. Our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, a curiosity for the need to be part of the change, and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, then apply to join us at our next Leaders Movement Parlay. The link is in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, and movement changers. Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.